Wasn't that wonderful? What a blessing, eh? What a blessing. And we found love in Jesus. Hallelujah. A love that never fails. A love that never gives up. A love that's always for us. Never against us. Always on side. Always believing the best about you. Always want, wanting you to succeed and thrive and be everything that God's created you to be. That's the love that we found. A love that's new every morning. Hallelujah. That's what the prophet Jeremiah said in one of the darkest moments of his life when the city of Jerusalem had been burned and ransacked by the Babylonians. He looked at that terrible mess, and in the midst of it all, he said, the, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It was in the midst of all of that terrible destruction that Jeremiah found love. And in the midst of all of the things that we go through in life, that love of God in Christ Jesus, none of us can ever be separated from. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves us. That was a wonderful, wonderful song. And I believe, you know, it just, it really does echo our hearts to God in the wonderful, vast treasure that we found in his love. Well, we're continuing this morning in our series of messages, walking through the gospel of John, and I'm calling today's message a new way of living. A new way of living or a new way to live. New way of living, a new way to live, a new way of life. Last week, if you remember, we read from John chapter 12, and in that chapter, John took us into a moment where a meal had been prepared for Jesus in honor of Jesus, and in the midst of that dinner, Mary came with her greatest gift, her greatest treasure, to anoint the feet of Jesus. She broke the alabaster box and lavishly poured out her spikenard all over Jesus' feet. And then she proceeded to wipe the feet of Jesus that she had just anointed with her hair. She did this unashamedly in the presence of everyone. It was an act of love, an act of adoration, and complete devotion and surrender to her Lord. She was oblivious to the eyes and the harsh comments of others around her because Mary was captivated by Jesus, captivated by her Lord, the Savior. She'd sat at his feet on numerous occasions, silently taking in silently absorbing his glorious love 
and beautiful presence. And now in silence, at this great dinner, she worshipped Him so publicly. She adored Him so unashamedly. She gave Him her all. Some said the box that she broke open and the anoint, uh, an ointment that she anointed Him with was worth well over a year's wages. But Mary didn't try to hold it back or contain it. She just lavished it all over her Lord's feet and anointed Him as she adored Him. Now, as we come to John chapter 13 today, Jesus, uh, sorry, John recalls the night just a day or so after Mary knelt at Jesus' feet, her selfless act of love would have still been fresh in the disciples' mind. But now, on this night, in John chapter 13, just a day or so later, it would be Jesus who would be going to His knees. Kneeling lovingly before His disciples' feet to wash them. And to demonstrate now His love for them. All of Jesus' disciples, as you may well know, were very different one from another. Some were hard and outspoken men. Others were quiet and contemplative, almost living in a dreamy world. Others of them were fiery white-hot with judgmental attitudes. And their anger could suddenly flare up erratically at any given moment. This was the little band of disciples that Jesus had gathered and drawn to Himself. Full of all kinds of personality traits, full of all kinds of different agendas and weaknesses within themselves. They were a mixed bag, we could say, of failures, rejects, that His unconditional love had rescued and reclaimed for Himself. The room on this night that John writes about was filled with doubters, deniers, betrayers, and deserters. And these young men knew nothing about the awful night that they were about to be overcome by. But Jesus, He knew about what lay ahead. He knew what was coming. He knew what was but hours away from them all. And yet on this night, He sets out such a wonderful example of unconditional love to them. Let me read to you from John chapter 13, from verse 4 through to verse 12, and I'm sure you'll recognize the scene that John takes us into as we read it this morning together. From verse 4 of John chapter 13, it says this, So he, Jesus, got up from the meal, 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will. You will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you know, every time I read this chapter, it's hard not to be deeply moved by what you, what you read and what you see. When you realize that Jesus was but hours away from sweating great drops of blood in Gethsemane's garden, as he would surrender his life over to the will of the Father. Or as we realize that he was just hours away from being kissed by Judas, his friend, who was turned betrayer and handed over to a thousand Roman soldiers to be arrested. And then he would be interrogated by the chief priests and whipped before being beaten and crucified. But Jesus, knowing that all of these things were but hours away, wasn't troubled, wasn't concerned, or filled with any kind of anxiety. Jesus knew, as John tells us at the beginning of this very chapter, that his hour had come for which he had come into this world to glorify his Father. And therefore, because he knew that his hour had come, he showed no signs of panic. He wasn't trying to hatch a plan of counterattack to come against those who would try to arrest him. No, he refused to, sh to change any of the circumstances were in his course. He refused to change any of the circumstances that were ahead of him, even though Jesus knew that everyone and everything was against him. He set his face as a flint to focus on the joy that was set before him. 
Jesus had no panic. He had no worry about his demeanor as he sat with his disciples at the table, as he kneeled before them to wash their feet. There wasn't any furrows on his brow because he was trying to hold on to the last moments of his life. No, he was quietly and gently reigning amidst all of the troubles and the schemes that were going on, both in the spiritual realm amongst devils and demons, and also in the physical realm of man, as they plotted evilly, in an evil way, to kill the Son of God. On this night, as any other night, he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellow man, unperturbed by circumstance, unperturbed by trouble, anointed with the oil of gladness. Oh, how different he is! Oh, how wonderful Jesus is. He reigns over everything. He is not subservient to circumstance. He is not subservient to any crisis or any trouble or any storm. He reigns over it. And the wonderful news for all of us is that we live in Him, we move in Him, and we have our very being in Him. He is our refuge and our tower of strength in every need and in every trouble. He really is. John doesn't show us a defeated Jesus in this chapter, frantic and full of out-of-control emotion. He shows us Instead, a loving Savior who serves us to the very end, who never gives up on us because of His great love. Luke, in his account of this day, tells us that just before the Last Supper, the disciples had had a big argument. They were wrangling for position. They had all of these hot, fiery emotions within them where they were grappling and tussling and tugging for position. And they had an argument in the afternoon just before this last supper. Who's the greatest among us? That's the argument that erupted. That's the strife and the contention that they were in. So by evening... When they all came into the room, when they were all sitting down at supper, they were really angry with each other. They were divided, and there was tension in the air. Have you ever been in conflict with somebody relationally, and you've been in the same room together? There's a tension in the air, an unspoken tension. That tension was present with these men on this night. But Jesus, 
wasn't a part of that tension or a part of that strife or contention. He was reigning, ruling above it all. And he came gently and quietly into that room. He knew that they wanted to be great. He knew that they had aspirations in their heart to rise up and be significant. So on this night, a great opportunity was set up before them. Usually, in a situation like this, where there would have been a meal and guests come together, a household servant would have gone to each guest in the room and washed their feet from the grime and the dirt of the day. But it's my opinion, and it could be a wrong one, but it's my opinion that Jesus on this night had a quiet word with the servant and said, why don't you go home early tonight? But Jesus, I've got a work to do. I've got to wash all your feet. No, you go home tonight and spend time with the kids. Why, Jesus? Why would you want to relieve me of my work as a servant? Well, come over here. I want to tell you a secret out of earshot of my disciples. I want to set up an incredible opportunity for them to rise into greatness. Really, Jesus? Yes. And it's all going to be in that towel and that bowl over there. Now, run along. The kids are waiting to see you. You're going to be home for tea tonight. Have a lovely time with your wife. Watch some Netflix. Or have a look on Discovery Channel. Thank you, Jesus. Bye then. Bye. And the night begins. Now they all know what should happen. But it hasn't happened. And in the corner of everybody's eye, they can see the towel. They can see the bowl, but nobody is rushing for the great opportunity to take it in hand and wash feet. They despise the opportunity that is there. Very often, the things of the kingdom are very much like that to each and every one of us. We've been so polluted in our minds by this world that we fail to see the incredible opportunities that are ever before us in life that God presents. Kingdom opportunities to serve, love, and be that unconditional expression of God's life in many varied situations. But He provides the opportunity. And then, as Lord, He comes into the midst and he demonstrates an example of unconditional love and greatness. And as he does, he doesn't turn to them and say, you missed the opportunity. 
failure. Don't get it wrong again. No, he doesn't do any of that. That's how this world works. No, he just demonstrates his love so that they will always carry it in heart and remember it in mind as they did. Now, the spirit of this night wasn't about washing each other's feet, even though Jesus said to them in this chapter, as you will read, He said to them, listen, wash one another's feet. But they didn't go on after to set up a feet-washing ministry. No, He wanted them to catch the spirit and the heart of the kingdom of God. He wanted them to catch and understand the spirit and the heart of God's love to each and every one of them. Because where He was leading them to from this example was to a new commandment that He was going to give them. And this new commandment epitomized everything that He had just done in washing their feet with that bowl and that, and drying them with the towel. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. It says this, Jesus speaking. This is where He was leading them to at this moment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's four different words for love in the Bible. If you do your homework, you'll see that one of them is an emotional love, an emotional affection. But it's not the strongest, robust kind of love because, as you know, our emotions go up and down. So when I'm feeling good, I'm going to love you. But if I'm having a tough day, it's not going to be that easy to love you because, unfortunately, my emotions go up, they go down. And then there's, there's a, a, another type of love, a friendship love, almost like a, a covenant friendship that's long-lasting. Me and Dale have got that love as friends, haven't we, Dale? Can't work it out. We've just been friends for a long time, and there's a consistency of the love that we have for one another as, as friends. It's an, it's an affectionate love that we have for one another. And then there's a, a sexual love between a man and a woman that should only ever be in the context of a, of a wonderful covenant relationship of 
marriage. It should never be outside of a marriage because it becomes hurtful and twisted and it becomes what God didn't intend it to be. So there's a sexual love that has been given from God to bless our lives as married people with. But the love that Jesus was talking about here, and I'm sure we know this, is agape love. It's the unconditional love of God. He loves us in spite of us. And His love is unfailing. His love is unconditional. Whether we meet the mark, of course we don't. Whether we meet the mark or not, He loves us. And this is the love that Jesus was talking about on this on this day, on this night. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Just in the same way that I've loved you with no conditions. Just in the same way that I've loved you with no strings attached. Just in the same way that I've accepted you with all of your character flaws and faults. I want you to love one another in that same way. I want you to express your love to one another without conditions. You're going to fail each other. You're going to offend each other. You're going you're to get cross and angry with each other. You're going to get disappointed and you're going to get hurt by each other. But this is the new command that I give you. Not the previous ten that Moses gave you. But one new command to fulfill all the ten. Love one another as I have loved you. By this love, this incredible unconditional love, all men will know that you are my disciples. Because this is a love that is not governed by emotions. This is not a love that's not limited by affection. This is not a love that's hindered by this world. This is a heavenly, godly love. And we have this love in us. We do. If you're a born-again believer, it is not in you by natural birth. It is in you by Holy Ghost birth. Paul tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's in you and me. That's the great news. Amidst all of our failures and all of our faults and all of the mistakes and the messes that we make in our flesh because we've got a flesh. And Paul says there's no good thing in this flesh. In the midst of a crumbling flesh, a, a, a decaying flesh that fails continually, there is a love of God in us by the power of the Holy Ghost that is unconditional. And He's going to enable us and empower us and guide us to let it loose. He really is. He really is. I'm going to close in a minute. I'm going to pick up on some of these things, how we work this out practically next week. But uh, let me just tell you how this, how the spirit of this truth works in our lives. A number of years ago, well, it was, it was many years ago, actually, somebody did something to me, said things about me, 
that hurt me. And they didn't know that I knew what they'd said and what they did. But it hurt. Years go on, you forget about it. Well, one day I received a message from the person that hurt me and said some things about me that they shouldn't have said, that were not right, that were untrue. And the message was that they needed my help. Now, immediately, I'm thinking, you are joking. No, 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 no. You want my help? I know you've hurt me. You've said things about me that you shouldn't have said. And now you're calling for my help? You've got to be joking. No. I am, and I'm having this conversation. You know when you have a conversation with yourself? You're good. I'm glad you know. I'm glad you know. You have a conversation. No, I'm having a conversation with myself, and I bet you this conversation must have gone on for a good half an hour. I'm speaking to myself. I'm coming from this angle, that angle, and every angle to justify why I am not going to help. No way. Hmm. Now, to everybody on the outside, I'm Pastor Dave. Hello. Hi. How are you? Oh, God bless you. Oh, thank you. Praying for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, read this this morning in the Bible. Bless God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it one? That's the outside, Pastor Dave. Oh, I love you. Inside. I'm not helping. No way, man. I'm not even going to... i tell you what I'm going to do with this message. I'm going to delete the thing. I'm not even going to answer it. And then, then, always check your thoughts with the Holy Ghost. Then I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You know what he said? Oh, it was just beautiful. I tell you, I couldn't, I certainly couldn't have thought it. That's how, do you know, that's how I know the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Because what he says, I can never think of. And on this day, I'm telling you now, this was just absolute, this was beyond genius. This was God, right? I said, Holy Spirit, after this big, long conversation that was heated and hot-blooded, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? He said, Dave, wash their feet. Wash their feet. This is what I said. I said, Holy Spirit, now you know all things. You know that I cannot do that. Right? I'm being honest now, Holy Spirit. I am telling you, and I'm having this discussion with him. I am telling you, Holy Spirit, I cannot wash this person's feet. But then I said this. But, 
I know that you're the helper. And if, Holy Spirit, you will help me right now, I promise you I will. I kid you not, right? I kid you not. This was so special. Instantaneously, this hasn't happened to, in this oh, dramatic way before. Instantaneously, all of that, what Paul would call a record of wrong, right, was gone. It's like he just washed it. It wasn't any kind of weird sensation or anything like that. It was just like cleansed, gone. I thought, what, what's just happened? I mean, I've prayed prayers, but none of them have ever been answered that fast. My goodness. I'm telling you, I asked him for his help instantaneously. The bitterness, the harboring of a grudge, the, the unforgiveness, the memory of a wrong was gone, wiped. It was like, it was like a dirty page was ripped out and a clean page remained. I said, wow. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I will. Got on the turn. How are you? Oh, it's lovely to hear from you. Praise God. And you know what? I could honestly and genuinely bless that person who, I, who had offended me. Now, I tell you that story. Happened a long time ago. You wouldn't know the person, so don't try and think about who it is. Was it? He's a, it could be him. It could be her. I know you do that because I do it too. But I tell you that because I know that there's situations in all of our lives. Right? And this is where we're going to bring it to a close now. We're going to pray for people this morning. We're going to anoint with oil. Okay? Because you, like me, you need that healing of the Holy Spirit just to wash through you and wash away anything that would hinder or harbor your life. As I was waiting on the Holy Spirit this morning, I was just listening. And He, he told me, what to do right at this moment before we pray. And I'm going to read to you from Ephesians 5, verse 18 to verse 19. And it says this, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, when the Holy Spirit spoke that word to me this morning, I couldn't understand why He gave me Ephesians 5 verse 18. Because I knew what I was going to speak about, and I didn't really feel that it fitted within what I was saying. Do not get drunk with wine. The Holy Spirit, uh, God's Word said, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, what do you mean? What do you want me to say from this 
from these words. And very gently, the Holy Spirit said, it's not that my people are getting drunk with wine, but they're intoxicated with worry, intoxicated with anxiety, intoxicated and almost drunk with hurt and pain and bitterness from the past. And it's not that you have injured somebody, it's that they have injured you. And what the enemy does very often is he comes along and he says, remember when? Remember when they said that? Remember when they did that? And he gets you to, to, to drink all of these things from the past and, and remind yourself of all of these hurts and all of these pains. And we almost enter into a drunken stupor because we can't stop thinking about what has happened and what's gone on. And we're drinking and, and, and becoming intoxicated with things that we should never partake of anymore. They are gone. They are dead. And the Holy Spirit is bringing closure on them to this morning as we anoint with oil. He's going to wash through you. And you're going to be filled with the Spirit. You're not going to be drinking anything anymore that has a negative effect on your mind, that, that you toil within your mind. Paul said to Titus, be sober-minded. Have you ever seen a drunken person trying to walk? Try telling them to walk in a straight line. They walk from left to right. They stumble. They trip over themselves. A sad sight. Nothing funny about it. A sad sight. No order. Disorder. And they're walking backwards. They're walking forwards. They don't know where they are. Do you know you can be like that when your mind is not sober? He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober-minded. Don't be drunk in your thinking by all of these things that bog you down. No, be filled, he says. Be filled with the Spirit. Right now, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And His power is going to come into operation, not because of our goodness. I was harboring a grudge. I was, I was, I couldn't deal with that pain. I was bitter. So it wasn't my goodness that brought the power of God into operation in my life. It was His love. Dave, come on. You've been hurt by people, but guess what? You've hurt people, and they've needed to forgive you. So come on, wash feet, Dave. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Amen. Amen.